Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, Gospel according to John, chapter 12. There is something about the preaching of his word. The Bible actually says it's the foolishness, foolishness to the world, but the releasing of our faith as we stand upon the word of God. I want you to stand with me as we read together a very familiar story. It's Palm Sunday. What else did you expect? And yet, what does it have to say? Chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb had raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So... The Pharisees said one to another, You see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Would you lift your hands one more time? And also in your face say, Yes, and I'm still looking for you as well. You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. You're my Healer. You're my Lord. You're my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn around to somebody as you're being seated and say, I'm glad you're here. My name is, and fill in the blank. If you don't know somebody, ask their name. They'll tell you. This familiar story, what does it have to say to us today? I've been preaching now for a few decades, and I have certain thoughts that run through my mind from time to time. And uh, I'm a person, I like numbers, and I like formulas, I like standards. And I thought, how many times have I preached on a Palm Sunday? And how many times have I referenced maybe even this particular passage in Scripture? What does this familiar story have to say to me? Has it been attached with a spirit of familiarity that now breeds contempt. Ah, I know it. As soon as you started reading it, my eyes glossed over and I didn't read anymore. I know this story. What does the story have to say? What do we know? What does it mean? And does it matter? Why is it in God's eternal word? Why is it there? Well, the story, if just reading this part of it, maybe. Maybe you wouldn't have picked up on all that. So if I can just kind of paint the picture for you in words. 
Because as we read here, we know certain things. And then, of course, there's always somebody else just getting started in their journey of faith. And they've never heard the story at all. There's somebody streaming right now that they're just, just starting to peer in. Is there anything to this Jesus? Is there anything to this gospel? And what does it matter to me some 2,000 plus years later about this particular day? You see, there was quite a stir going on in Jerusalem that day. We told just a part of it, and it alluded to another part, but you could have missed it. The truth is, there was an incredible stir going on. This is a very active scene. We just read about the crowd that was meeting him. They were already in the city limits and they heard he was coming. Well, how many other people were in the city right now? What does it matter about another rabbi? Oh, that's all we need, another rabbi. But why are the crowds going after this guy? So it isn't just those who have heard of the miracles. There are others like, well, if the crowd's going there, something's exciting going on. I think I'll join. There could be others like, you know what, I, I'm desperate for something, maybe Maybe, maybe this is the guy. And here they are just crowding the streets, lining the streets. The eastern gate absolutely looks like an ant farm. Just incredible press of the crowd. But this isn't the only crowd there that's that day. We picked up on it in the latter part of the reading, and if you read the verses prior to where we picked up, you'll find out something else has just happened in the near recent past. Social media picked it up first. They started talking about it. There's been somebody that was clinically dead, and now they're alive. What is the story? Some of them knew this guy, or they knew the sisters. There was a crowd there in Bethany. Yes, that's right. We heard about that. It, did it really happen? Is that really the truth? And so this crowd was coming from Bethany. Yes, it was the crowd that was there when they witnessed Jesus walking up to a tomb, a cave. And he said, roll the stone back. And just with his breath and his voice, he spoke to that which was dead, and he became alive. Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine if you've been in that crowd? Somebody walking out of that tomb, wrapped in all the burial clothes. I don't know about you. I think I'd be in awe. We've heard about so many things, but somebody back from the dead. The crowd stayed there, and now we're the roadies. We're going to hang with this guy. So now maybe you're seeing the picture, the stir that's really going on. It isn't just one crowd. It's a crowd in Jerusalem. It's another crowd from Bethany, and they're converging together right there. The city gates. Oh, that isn't all. You see, there's been a lot of activity going on. This is the feast of Passover. 
Of all the feasts of the Lord, this is one of the major feasts, maybe the most major feast of the three major feasts. And now, because of the responsibility, the streets are lined with people. The vendors, they're moving their commerce, moving their commerce, getting their extra supplies in. People hurrying, I need some more of this, I need some more of that. You can hear the buzz, the chatter, the stir that's going on. The bed and breakfast have been full, scheduled for weeks. Airbnb got all their schedules straight. Well, maybe that's an addition, but you can feel the stir. Something's going on, and it's more than the norm. With just a little glance at history, some 256,000 lambs were slain at Passover. The quick math is every lamb represented a minimum of 10 people. There are some 3 million people in the old city gathering. Vendors thrilled. Commerce is good. The temple has been spit-shined, and yet there's crowds in the city for that. Got their mind on all that Passover renders, and yet there's this crowd coming from Bethany, and now they're converging at the city gates, and it isn't just the buzz, it's the sounds. They're singing the Psalms, they're singing the Hallels, they're singing Psalms 113 through 118, and they're singing to the top of their voice. There's a crescendo going on, because now they're singing what typically is sung at tabernacles, and they're singing it at Passover. Wow, what's going on? Something's different, there's a stir. They're singing praise. Lambs are being slain, but the people are singing praise and they're crying out what the psalmist said they would cry out. Hosanna! Save us now. We need a savior. You see, the crowd was looking for something. Some were looking for a savior. Some were looking for a leader. Some were looking for a Messiah. Some were just looking to anything. Some were looking for a conqueror. The problem with this picture is some of the other gospels tell us the full detail. Jesus, yes, was riding on a donkey, actually the young fold of a donkey. And he had told his disciples, go find. And when you find this particular scene with a donkey in its fold, just go to him and say, we need this for the master. And they will say, okay. Can you imagine those disciples knowing it's a time of great commerce, thinking, Jesus, do you know what you're saying? They'll want money for this. Uber donkeys cost a lot right now. <laughs> and here he is writing. Those looking for the conqueror. <laughs> this is the wrong picture. He's not coming in on a stallion. Well, he went the cheap route. No, 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 no. That's not, our culture doesn't let us know. 
No, this is the sign of great honor. Dignitary. Ushering in peace. Can we finally be at peace? All this stirring, all this buzzing going on. But there's a third crowd. Maybe they're not as large, but they're there. They were there. They had their spies all the way back in Bethany. Because when Lazarus was read, some of them ran into Jerusalem to talk to the other Pharisees. We're in trouble. This guy can raise the dead. When you read through the Gospels accounts, you'll find out that immediately they're not thrilled about this. <laughs> and not only do they want to take Jesus out, there's already, well, they may have just raised, he may have raised Lazarus, we're going to kill him again. That hatred. So there's a third crowd there, and this is the last voice we hear from what we've read. We're gaining nothing. Look at the crowds. We had them right here. And they've left us to go to the city gate. And the world has gone after him. Wow. Now we've got the full picture. You see, for us, why all the commotion? People are still looking for something, aren't they? There's a lot of commotion in our day. We find those outlets. We follow after the Braves. We follow after some other sports team for a while. Maybe we'll watch some golfers. And, but we're not too far from going right back to looking for something. We don't like what we sense, what we feel, what in the world. There's got to be an answer. Who's going to stand up and be a leader? We need a leader. We need real leadership. You see, for us, we've been raised with a European Enlightenment attitude. Real quickly, for those of us that have a little age on us, it's just something that was immersed in our culture. For generation after generation, each generation was believing for a better life. We have drilled it into each generation Enjoy the blessings you have, but you want your next generation to be even more blessed. And we fulfilled that. Look where we are today. Look at our wealth. Look at our technologies. Look at what we've gained. No longer do we just have modest things. We, things that just a generation before, of like if we could have maybe one radio in the house. Can you, how many remember your first television set? And some of you are younger generations, but you remember going to grandpa's house and watching this old black and white screen, even though color TV had been around a while. And you hear the stories. And today, we don't even have to have television sets. We just watch this stuff all the time. The enlightenment kept saying each generation is going to be wealthier. Enjoy more prosperity will be safer, will be healthier. Everything is going great until the 20th century, and then we had a malfunction junction. Two world wars. 
The first said the world war that would cease all other wars, and yet a second one was right on its heels. The 20th century also had its own pandemic that affected the globe. A great depression. And talk of nuclear war. The enlightenment darkened. And now our younger generations no longer believe in that report. We want a new report. We want a utopia. Right, we, the cancel culture says get rid of all that because that which they kept building up failed. You hear me today. It's a spiritual thing. And we have to have an understanding. It didn't work for you people. We're going to raise up something different that'll work. Don't pull us back to antiquated thoughts and technologies. Everything's new. The 20th century became known as the age of anxiety. Here we are today with heightened levels of discouragement, clinical depressions, drug addiction, other addictions, loneliness, anger. You don't believe it? Watch your news reports. The rage. All these things are crying out. We need something different. Because all of our technologies, all of our advancements, what hasn't been helped is the whole that happens in a person's soul. We keep asking ourselves, how could somebody with such fame and such wealth and so many commodities take their life? Why would they engage in this or that or the other? The problem's here. You see, our story and the story that's so familiar to us are pretty similar. We now have a globe that is saying, Somebody save us. They may not be crying Hosanna, but they're saying somebody save us. We need help and we're desperate. The thing that we, we long for seems to just be eluding us. Well, we'll, we'll search for this answer over here, over there, somewhere and here's the bottom line. The story of familiarity of yesteryear is the same as today. The kingdom of heaven was being offered then. And the kingdom of heaven is still being offered now. The crowds know there's a stir. They need something. But do they recognize what can heal them? The kingdom of heaven was there riding on a colt. This miracle worker was right there. And yet within the week, the same crowds were chanting, give us Barabbas, not Jesus. 
the fickleness of emotion. So where are we? Where are we? Not only Grace Life Church located in Marietta, Georgia, those streaming around other cities and states and countries. Do we believe that the kingdom of heaven is exactly what Jesus said in his preaching? It's at hand. Do we believe that he still cares? You see, this, these crowds that mingled that day, there was the crowd that had left the scene of the miracle worker. Today, do we still believe he performs miracles? Do we believe that he is the one that can set the captive free? Do we believe he is the one that can alter a life? A life that is bound to sin, a life that is bound to addiction, a life that is bound to a vice, and by his power and his touch, they can be set free and be released from the tyranny of that voice that's been screaming at them. Do we believe that a person can be set free indeed? Do we believe praying in a simple altar in a, in a church building or in the backyard or in a park and pull over and just sit in the seat of their car? Do we believe by just simply calling out, Jesus, save me now, can change that person's immortal soul? You see, the world is still clamoring. The stir is here again. We look at the global scene, and once again, we hear talk of nuclear holocaust. Europe is in great pain today. Innocent lives lost every hour. Mass graves being filled with the corpses of children, of wives, of dads, of grandparents. The world is hurting. The world says we need somebody. Somebody save us. Do we believe Jesus is still that person? Do we believe that he can speak to that which is dead? And that he has the authority that says, come Fourth, Can he rattle those bones today? Would you stand with me?